Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Amen. Are you glad you're here? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for moving powerfully on Jim May. Thank you, Lord, that you answer prayers that we never prayed. That you know how to answer prayers that we should have prayed. I love the story. Uh, Joshua runs out and tells the son to stand still. And the Lord doesn't fold his arms and rebuke Joshua for not understanding the science of it's not the sun that moves, it's actually the earth that moves, and the earth revolves around the sun, and the sun's not actually moving. God just actually goes ahead and does what Joshua is asking for. He actually just looks at the heart of what Joshua is saying, and he says, you know what, I just appreciate you praying the prayer in boldness anyways, and he just goes ahead and does what is being asked for. And uh, I, I think that is the heart of prayer. You know, some, sometimes we don't get it right in the request, but God sees the heart of it. There's a scripture in Ephesians. Oh gosh, it might be a three, Ephesians 3.12. It says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. And the word for boldness there is um, without, the worse, the, without the use of many words when only few are needed. Without the use of many words when only few are needed. So, sometimes we use lots of words when, only, when we only need to use a few words. Because he knows what we mean. He knows what we mean. Romans 8 talks about, I'm not supposed to be here at all. Romans 8 talks about uh, the prayer that the Holy Spirit offers on our behalf is actually a soundless prayer, a prayer that doesn't have words to it. It's actually a prayer that comes out inaudible because it's, it's so deep and so groaning, it comes out without words. And yet that's the prayer that actually Romans 8 says is directly in line with the heart of the Father. And so we thank you, Father, that you hear prayers that we should have prayed, you know our heart when we were praying, and you just go ahead and move anyway. And we thank you for that. Jesus said that we're supposed to have answer to prayers because it's, it's the fulfillment of our joy. And John 16, he said, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's our, that's our, um, our, our direction in prayer is to ask and receive that our joy may be full. He didn't teach on what to do when our prayers aren't answered because he didn't have unanswered prayers. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna go to Genesis this evening. Genesis 15. We're talking about the God of encounters. The God of encounters. We are looking at what it looks like when we encounter God. Last week we talked about Gideon in the book of Judges and how uh, Gideon encountered this God of encounters, how Gideon was in a, a time of weakness. He was in a time of, of being scared. He was in a time of being terrified from this enemy that was coming in to ransack their land and take everything they owned and all their crops and all their food and all their possessions. The, the scripture even says that when the enemy would come in, they were like locusts that would come over the land. There were so many of them that they would devour the land like locusts. Um, there were so many of them. We don't get a good picture of locusts here, 
we get cicadas and we think they're bad, but like the, these are the locusts that come in and completely devour the land. This was the picture. And Gideon is hiding out in this wine press, treading out wheat, and the Lord actually comes and meets him in this hour of weakness, and he speaks a simple phrase, and in this simple phrase is actually the empowerment for Gideon to take on this massive army and defeat this massive army. And so what we're looking at over these the last week and then tonight and the next couple of weeks is actually some unique stories of encounters in the Bible. Because how many of you know we classify encounters in, in our circles as certain things? If, if you weren't here last week, I'm just going to recap real quick. We classify encounters in charismatic circles as did you fall on the floor? Did you weep until you snotted everywhere? How many tissues did it require to, to get yourself back together? And, and um, you know, whether it was, if it was zero to five tissues, that was a mild encounter. If it was five or more tissues, then that was a radical encounter and your life's probably gonna change for forever. And that's, that's how we classify encounters in the world of, of charismatic Pentecostal Bible Belt Church. Uh, that's including, you know, Southern Baptists and, and a lot of the denominations here in this part of the country and this part of the world. And, and, and that's what we've considered encounters. But the Bible, actually, the Bible actually shows us a completely different story. In the story of Gideon, it was, it was a meeting face-to-face with the Lord who came in the form of an angel, which is, which is by itself a weird thing. But it was a one phrase that the Lord spoke, and in one phrase, he actually empowered Gideon, gave him the ability to do something that he didn't have the ability to do before he spoke the phrase. In one phrase, the Lord imparted ability. In one phrase, the Lord has the ability to give us power to do something that we didn't have the ability to do before. And tonight, we're going to look at a story with Abram. He hasn't become Abraham yet. He's still Abram. He's wandering around in the desert still, and, and the Lord comes and visits him. And the title of the message tonight is Reencountered. It's Reencountered. How many of you have encountered the Lord, it, whether it be what we would consider traditionally powerfully or whether it was a subtle encounter? And in the encounter, there was a promise. In the encounter, there was, there was a, an impartation of an idea. In the encounter, there was an impartation of direction. And it felt like in the moment, it was as close as your next breath. Like it, it felt like in the encounter, like it, it's as close as, as the next breath that I'm gonna breathe. I could reach out and touch it. I could, I could reach out and grab it. I wanna show you tonight that oftentimes the Lord will plant seeds and encounters and he will come back and encounter again and again and again to establish what he's already spoken. But, but if we discount a, an encounter, the seed that the Lord plants in an encounter, we actually, we actually throw away a seed that he wants to plant in our lives, if that makes sense. So Genesis 15, let's read these verses and then let's dig in. Genesis 15, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read all six of them and then we'll get into it. After these things, what are these things? Uh, Abram has just gone and rescued Lot because Lot got drug off uh, by these terrible armies. Lot's living in a place he probably shouldn't be living in. They're standing in the middle of this desert place and Abram being the good guy that he is, he says to Lot, I tell you what, you pick out the place you wanna live 
I'll pick out the place that's not where you wanna live because our herdsmen are fighting and we don't need to do that because we're family. You're my nephew and I don't want our, our, our herdsmen to fight. So Lot picks the place by the city. Problem is the cities get invaded. The cities get overtaken. Abram's safe because he's hanging out in the desert where nobody wants to invade. Abram gets word that Lot has been taken and he rounds up some fellas from his household and he goes and he rescues Lot. Actually, at the end of that story, he pays a tithe to Melchizedek. Um, I'm not gonna go there, but he, 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 so after that, Abram, the backdrop of this is Abram has just defeated a massive army. He has just overtaken a massive army. The army that Abram fought was not a small army. It was not some like rinky dink, like uh, band of soldiers that like slapped together some, some armor and, and threw together some swords. It was a massive army that was really good at fighting. They were trained in war and Abram has just gone and kicked some tail and brought back Lot and all of the possessions and everything that was stolen. And the scripture even says, and the women and the children. So Abram Abram went and like, and took care of business, okay? And so here's what the Lord then says to Abram. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, which is a really weird thing to say to a guy who just went and beat up on a whole army full of people. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Abram is back in safety when the Lord is speaking this. He, he's not in the battle, the, the enemy is defeated, utterly destroyed, and the Lord says, hey, Abram, fear not. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven the number of the, and number the stars if you shall be able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Back to verse one. The Lord says to Abram as he's coming out of battle, He's just come off a massive victory. He has come back with so much wealth, so much surplus, so much stuff that he actually gives it to some of the men of his household and makes them rich. He pays a tithe to this king called Melchizedek, which is another Christophany or an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament who Paul, or, or the writer of Hebrews, hints to later in Hebrews, but he, he gives a tenth of the spoils away. There's enough to make all of the people around him rich. There's enough left over after all of that to make himself rich moreover than he already was. He, he has utterly destroyed this massive army that came in and conquered these two metropolis cities. So these were not small armies. These are big armies. And actually, if you go back in Genesis 14, it's a, it's a, it's a, a group of armies. It's not just one army. It's actually, it's actually several armies that team up together because uh, somebody kind of backstabs somebody else and so they get mad and they team up together. And it's a, a lot of drama, but it's a team of armies. And Abram 
with a, a couple hundred people. It just rounds up a couple hundred dudes from the farm and goes out and whoops this whole army full of people. And the Lord says to Abram, hey, Abram, fear not. Fear not is not what I expect to hear from the Lord when I come back from battle. Fear not is the word of the Lord headed into battle. Fear not is the word of the Lord to Joshua when he's getting ready to cross over and take on Jericho. Fear not is the word of the Lord as, as the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land. Fear not is the word when we're facing giants in front of us. Fear not is not the word after we've come over the mountain. Fear not is not the, what is the Lord saying to, to Abram? The word for fear here, this is one of my, one of my favorite words in, in the Hebrew language. It, it is to fear and to be afraid, but it's to stand in reverence or to stand in awe. What is the Lord actually saying? The Lord is actually saying to Abram, you conquered this great and mighty army, but in your heart of hearts, there's a, there's a reverence and an awe and a, and a trembling still because of the promise that's been spoken over you because of the, the promise that's been spoken over you. If we go all the way back to the beginning of Abram, Abram began this journey with God back in Genesis 12. And in Genesis 12, the Lord speaks a promise over Abram. And he declares to Abram that he's gonna be a great nation, a mighty nation. I'm gonna read it for you. Genesis 12, verses one through three. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We're looking at almost uh, roughly a decade between Genesis 12 and Genesis 15. And Abram coming off this mighty victory isn't actually looking at the spoils of the victory. His heart is actually set on disappointment because of the lack of the fulfillment of the promise. How do we know? Because immediately when the Lord says, fear not, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Where does Abram immediately turn? He doesn't turn to the armies and whether they're gonna retaliate. Because we could read verse one and say, well, maybe the armies will retaliate. Or, or maybe there are more armies that are coming in to invade. Or, or maybe Abram has got more issues that are gonna crop up in the land. Abram immediately turns to the promise and says, oh Lord God, what will you give me before, because I continue childless. Despite all of this success, Abram is, Abram is heartbroken because a promise is still unfulfilled. Because an encounter 10 years earlier felt like the next breath was the fulfillment of the promise. The Lord came to him when he was at his dad's house and said, I want you to leave everything. I want you to leave your dad. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything. Pack up and go and I'm gonna bless you abundantly. I'm gonna bless you powerfully, and you're gonna be a great, mighty nation. And 10 years later, Abram is still hanging on to this promise, carrying this promise, and it feels like it's never coming. Like it's never coming. And his heart, despite all of the success the Lord has given him, the Lord has blessed him, he's favored him, he's been with him, 
And yet his heart in the middle of a great victory that he should be celebrating, his heart immediately turns back towards disappointment. His heart immediately is turned back towards the disappointment. He says, oh Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? The word for continue here, it actually means it actually means to die. Abram says, I'm going to die childless. It's been so long since the promise was given, which is funny when you look at how long Abram actually lived in the promise. We have the benefit of looking from this side of history. When you're living in the middle of the pursuit of a promise, though, it does feel like you're gonna die without it. But Abram actually tells the Lord, he says, I'm actually going to die without this promise being fulfilled. I'm gonna die before this promise is actually fulfilled. The Lord came to Abram. This is actually the third time the Lord talks to Abram about this promise. He talked to him in Genesis 12. In Genesis 13, he talked to him again about the promise. In verse 14 through 18, he said, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes. Pastor Matt talked about this uh, probably a month or so ago. Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Your offspring forever. Doesn't have offspring at this point. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. That's a big promise for a dude who doesn't have a kid. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and he built an altar there to the Lord. Three times now the Lord has come to Abram and talked to him about the same promise. Three times now the Lord has come and confirmed the same promise to Abram, and yet Abram turns to the Lord and says, I feel like I'm gonna die before the promise is ever fulfilled. I feel like I will die before the promise is ever fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there. I have stood and had word after word confirmed and confirmed and felt like I will die before I see this thing come to pass. I'll die before I see it come to pass. And it, <laughs> maybe this is weird, it's comforting to know I'm not the only one to go through it. But, but the Lord actually never intended to fulfill the promise after the first encounter. He was actually planting seeds in Abram because the Lord could not, the Lord didn't want to fulfill the promise where Abram was. The Lord had to move him into a place where he could fulfill the promise. Oftentimes, the Lord, Bill Johnson likes to say, every kingdom promise comes in the answer, every kingdom promise answer comes in seed form. But we want it to come in the form of an oak tree. In other words, we pray for an oak tree and God gives us an acorn and we throw away the acorn because we say, what am I supposed to do with this acorn when God says plant the acorn and water the acorn and watch it grow into an oak tree? When the reality is, is that in the oak tree are untold numbers of acorns for a multitude of more oak trees. But if we get stuck looking for God to deliver an oak tree, we'll never value the seeds that he plants. 
And through these encounters, the Lord's actually dropping seeds into Abram's life. If you read, we couldn't do it today because there's a billion scriptures. But if you read from Genesis 12 through 13 and 14 and 15, the Lord is actually teaching Abram how to walk in the fulfillment of the promise. Because there's a big difference in having a promise and having the integrity to be able to carry the promise. Because promises bring joy. Pro, uh, the fulfillment of promises bring joy and answers to prayer bring joy. But answers that take a while to show up, they bring character so that we can carry the joy when it shows up. Because the things that he has spoken over me, I'm not always ready to carry the weight of those things the day that he spoke them over me. So he has to take me through a process, plant seeds in my life, and trust me to care for the seeds so that by the time they are matured, I'm strong enough to be able to bear the weight of whatever it is that he wants to give me. Because mark this down, his glory always carries a weight. His glory always carries a weight. And every promise that comes from him will always have a measure of his glory on it. The question is, how much of his glory can he pack into a promise that he's delivering? Is the foundation that I've built secure enough that it can handle the amount of the weight of the glory that he wants to rest on my life? Have I allowed him to build a firm enough foundation that it won't crack when the weight begins to rest on top of it? We've got a cousin who lives in uh, Minnesota. It snows I think 380 days a year or something out there. And it snows like nine feet when it snows. And when it snows out there, they have to get outside and get it off the roof because the weight of it will crush the roofs because the structure of the roof is only built to carry so much weight. And if the roof is under too much weight for too long, it will collapse and the collateral damage from the collapse of the roof doesn't just hurt the roof. It hurts the whole structure. The leaking water from the roof starts to infect the wood. It starts to run down the drywall. It starts to leak and seep into the walls. It starts to mess with the baseboards. It starts to get into the foundation. And all of a sudden, because a roof couldn't carry weight, now the snow has come in and the whole structure is compromised because something wasn't built to carry a weight. And if we don't say yes to allowing ourselves to be prepared to carry weight through multiple encounters, then we'll, we'll throw away an opportunity for him to, we'll, we'll level ourselves off with how much we can carry. We'll level ourselves off with how much we can carry. He is good enough that he'll still say yes to giving us something. He's so gracious, he'll give us something. But it will never be the weight we were intended to carry. Because we didn't yield to being structurally sound to carry the amount of weight we were meant to carry. So Abram says, I feel like I'm gonna die childless. And the heir of my house is gonna be this guy who works for me. In verse three, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and the member of my household will be my heir. The word for will be here 
actually should be translated is. Will be in the ESV actually is a bad translation. The Hebrew actually says is. In other words, Abram is saying, I've already taken it upon myself. Hear this. I've already taken it upon myself to start making plans to circumvent what you want to do. I've already taken it upon myself to go to make a way for myself because I don't think you'll make a way. Thank God for his mercy for Abram. Thank God that he spoke one more time to Abram because here's what could have happened. God could have said, fine, and we would have never read about Abram. We, the father of faith would have been somebody else because Abram actually says in verse three, I'm already making plans to make my own way to create an heir. Ishmael was the son that was born out of, Ishmael was the son that was born through a servant. But Abram said, I've already established an heir and it's a guy who works for me. I've already created a lineage for myself. I've already started to plot and to plan. Here is where the plan of God starts to break down. The plan of God doesn't start breaking down when we completely abandon the faith and run into apostasy and start being heretics. The plan of God starts to break down when in my mind I start coming up with plan B. When in my mind I start thinking, well, if God doesn't show up, where, where am I gonna turn? If God doesn't make a way, if God doesn't do what he said he's gonna do, who am I gonna appoint? If God does, God said he was going to heal me, but if he doesn't heal me, who, how, who, how am I going to, how am I going to handle it? Who am I going to turn to? God said he was going to provide for my finances. He spoke a word and said he was going to provide for my finances, but if he doesn't, where am I, what am I going to do? How am I going to make a way? This is where the plan of God starts to break down. It, the plan of God doesn't start breaking down when we actually take action. It starts breaking down when here we decide I've got to have a plan B because maybe he's not good enough to do what he said he would do. There is no plan B in God. There is no plan B in God. It is what he said, what he said, and what he said. That's it. That's the plan. Did he say he was going to do it? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Then that's the plan. That's the plan. What are we gonna do? We're gonna believe the plan. Well, what if it looks like, who cares? What if it sounds like, who cares? What if they say, who cares? If he said it, then he's gonna do it. We have got to be a people. This is for me too. We have got to be a people that stand on what the Lord has said he's going to do. Because the book is filled with people who stood in adverse circumstances and said, it doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't sound right, everybody says I'm nuts and everybody says I'm crazy, but the Lord said he's gonna show up and if he said he's gonna show up, then he is going to show up. And he has to be a man of his word, otherwise all of it is foolishness. If he's not a man of his word, then what are we doing? If he's not a man of his word, then I'm wasting my time. Because if I can't trust him in his promises here, then what says I can trust him when I get to there? I've got to be able to trust him here. But Abram says, I've already started making plans. I've already started plotting and scheming and devising plans. 
in my mind because I'm not sure you're good enough to show up. I, real quick aside, in the Old Testament, we see a lot of, um, maybe radical is the wrong word, but I'm gonna use it, radical encounters where the Lord shows up in visions, especially in Abram's life. The Lord, Abram's having visions of the Lord. This is not, you and I have the Spirit of God living in us. The Bible says, I think it's in Corinthians, that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Our spirit has been made alive because of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord speaks to us, it comes as an utterance. It comes, it, it comes bubbling oftentimes. It, it would not be easy for Abram to ignore the word of the Lord is what I'm saying. When the word of the Lord would come to Abram, it would not come as if it was coming to you and I. When the word of the Lord comes to you and I, it may come as an, as an inference. It may come as an idea. It may come as a thought. Their spirit was not alive. The Bible says that, that, that the heart in the Old Testament was a stony heart, a dead heart. The spirit of God had to come upon a man. It had to come upon a man for them to be able to hear the Lord. Abram would be living a life where he was dead inside and all of a sudden God would walk in the room and come upon him and then show himself and then speak to him. So it wasn't like Abram was walking around and then had a thought like, I might have a kid one day and then that kid's gonna be like a uh, he's going to be a promised child. And then from that kid, I'm going to father many nations. It wasn't like a thought that just popped up in his mind. It was the word of the Lord that came to him in such a bold proclaiming way that it was un, unimaginable how, 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 how bold it came. There was no way to ignore it. And yet Abram says, I'm making plans to get out of what you've promised. Lord's shown up in visions to Abram and, and Abram says, I'm making plans because I'm not sure if the one who just pops up in the middle of the desert and speaks to me is able to fulfill what he's promised. Verse four, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Again, when the word of the Lord would come to Abram, it wasn't just a thought that would pop up in his inner man. It was an intense thing for the word of the Lord to come. The word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Literally, uh, for son here, out of your own bowels. So not something you can produce, but something I'm gonna birth out of you. Not something you can do with your own hands, but something I'm gonna birth out of you. And he brought him outside, verse five, and he said to him, look towards heaven, and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. I'm gonna go ahead and read verse six real quick and we'll go back. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. All right, look at this one more time. Verse five. And he brought Abram outside and he said to him, look towards heaven, number the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your offspring be. This is the third time the Lord has spoken to Abram about this promise. He comes to him once in Genesis 12, once in Genesis 13, and then here in Genesis 15. He would confirm it one more time right before Isaac is born, right before uh, the covenant of circumcision is given. 
But of all three times that the Lord speaks to Abram, this is the time that the scripture says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is the time. I wanna, I wanna look at something. In Genesis 12, the Lord says, I'm gonna make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great that you will be a blessing. That's a sweet promise. That's an awesome promise. Genesis 13, he says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Another great promise. He's saying the exact same thing. The Lord is not changing the promise, but he's saying it a third time, except he says it in a different way. What does the Lord say differently the third time that changes Abram's perspective, that causes him to believe? Look at the beginning before the Lord speaks the promise. He brought him outside and he said, look towards heaven. Look towards heaven. Then number the stars if you are able. The Lord spoke once and he said, I'm gonna make you a great and mighty nation. And Abram said, that's cool. He spoke again in the middle of a desert and he said, if you can count the dust of the earth, so shall your offspring be able to be counted. And Abram said, that's awesome. And the Lord said, well, I've gotta to get to him somehow. So he brings him outside in the middle of the night and he says, put your eyes towards heaven. Put your eyes towards heaven. Set your perspective up. And something happened when Abram put his eyes up that all of a sudden the promise that didn't click before now made sense. To look here in the Hebrew means to pay attention, to show regard, to consider, to view. Abram's attention all of a sudden isn't down here. When the Lord says, set your eyes up, look up, set your eyes in the heavens, all of a sudden Abram starts to get a perspective that makes everything make sense. Everything all of a sudden makes sense. And great nation didn't make sense. Dust of the earth didn't make sense. But when he looks up, all of a sudden the promise makes total sense. It's the same promise worded a different way, but the perspective has changed because he's not looking out. He's not looking around anymore. He's looking up because up is the only direction from where promises come. Up is the only direction from where blessing come. Up is the only direction from where the, the ability to do the impossible comes. And when he looks up, he realizes the one who made that is declaring to me that all of those, all of those don't even come close to the number of descendants that I'll have. Don't even come close. Something about setting our eyes up change everything. The first encounter was a seed that led to the next encounter. That was another seed that led to the next encounter. All through his journey, the Lord was planting seeds to re-encounter Abram again and again and again and again to get him to the place where he could get him alone so he could get his eyes up. It was all about getting his eyes up. The promise never changed. The wording may have changed. The, the way that the Lord declared it may have changed, but the, the promise itself never changed. 
Your descendants are gonna be a bunch of people and I'm gonna bless everybody because of your descendants because in your descendants are Christ and through Christ, I'm gonna bless everyone. All the nations of the earth, that's the promise, essentially. The promise never changes, but every encounter was to move him to a place where he could get him to get his eyes up. But if we discount an encounter because, well, the, the breakthrough didn't come or, or it felt like the Lord only did part of what he wanted to do or it felt like I was, I was left hanging or it felt like I only got a, a moment or a piece of, of the puzzle here, we'll throw away a seed that leads us to the place where we can get our perspective right. Because I can look back at scripture and anecdotally in my life where the Lord has set me up. Sister Tina Overstreet preached about God's setups. The Lord has set me up to be encountered time and time and time again. I think part of it is because he enjoys time with us, but also because he wanted to get me to a place where my perspective would change. Because he had to get me to a place. The promise never shifted. The promise never shifted. For some of my promises, I had to move all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, so he could shift my perspective. The promise never changed. The word, you wouldn't believe it, it was the exact same word as he had always spoke. But something about a new place changed my perspective. And when I re-encountered him, it allowed me to see it in a new light and in a new way. And it breathed new life onto what he was saying. New life onto what he was saying. Verse six, it says, he believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. He trusted the Lord. He believed the Lord. It also means to stand firm and to be certain. In four verses earlier, Three verses earlier, Abram says, I'm already making plans to avoid what you want to do in my life because I don't believe that you're God enough to do it. And in verse six, he says, I trust you. I'm standing firm on what you've spoken and I'm certain, I'm certain that you're the Lord who promised and you're the Lord who will keep the promise. And the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. Isn't that gracious of the Lord? The Lord could have counted it to him as a knucklehead or as hard-headed or as slow to learn. The Lord should have counted it to me many of times as a knucklehead or hard-headed or slow to learn. But he counted it to him as righteousness. He brought him graciously to a place where he could understand the Lord held him by the hand like a child and brought him to a place where he could understand and help point his eyes in a direction that made sense to him. And when it all clicked, then the Lord said, you are so righteous. I'm so proud of you for getting it. And I'm so proud of you for believing in me. Thank you so much for trusting me because that's what the Lord does. He brings us to a place of great faith because he is the one who imparts faith the grace to, to have faith. And then when we stand in the grace of that faith that he has given, he applauds us for standing in the faith which he just gave to us. Re-encountered, re-encountered. Abram took, it took three encounters before Abram ever got the promise. 
a, a massive promise that we all would have wrote down. We'd have put on the windshield and on the fridge and we'd have put it in the prayer closet and we'd have made a banner and put it on Facebook and everything else in the world probably. But Abram didn't get it. He didn't get it the first time or the second time. It took another encounter. Sometimes it takes another encounter. It takes another encounter before we get it. And God is graciously willing to meet us again. And sometimes God is setting us up to meet us again because that's what he's been planning the whole time. Stand with me tonight. The Lord only repeats that promise to Abram one more time. And it's right before Isaac is born when he's given him the um, covenant of circumcision. And he says something really weird. He says, in these promises, he says, you shall be, you shall be, you shall be the father, the father, the father. And the covenant of circumcision, he says, you shall be. And then he changes his name from Abram to Abraham and he says, because I have made you the father. Something happened when Abram believed the promise. There was this, this tension that Abram entered into that he didn't have before. Before, it was all, it will be, you shall be, it's going to. And yet, when he believes the promise, when he, when he steps in, bless you, yes. When he believes the promise, when he believes the promise, something happens. He gets in this tension where it's not yet and yet already. <laughs> that something shifts when Abram says yes. Something shifts when his perspective changes and he says, no, I, I actually believe the promise. And the Lord actually gives this weird thing where he says, yeah, you shall be the father of many nations, but I'm changing your aim to Abraham because I have made you the father. Something happens when by faith we accept a promise that the Lord hasn't delivered yet. It's still a shall be. It's still a going to be. It's still a hasn't happened yet, but we by faith enter into a I've already made you. By faith, we enter into an already have obtained. By faith, we enter into an already standing in. And it's this weird tension of the kingdom of a already and yet not yet that we enter into by faith that the Lord somehow in his godness does. But by faith, Abram entered into this thing. And then here comes Isaac and the rest is history. And throughout the rest of the book, this man who said, I've already made plans because I don't believe you are who you said you are. I don't believe you'll do what you said you'll do. And I believe that this dude who works for me is actually going to have to be the one who carries on my name. Um, not even Ishmael. It, at this point, he wasn't even playing on Ishmael. He said, I, this other dude who is just a hired hand, he's going he's gonna to be the one who carries on my name. This guy who said, you're not gonna fulfill your promise. He's counted as the father of faith. He's counted as having some of the greatest faith that we've ever seen.
to walk the earth because the Lord came again and spoke again and gave him a new perspective. So can we just pray into that tonight? Father, we thank you that you are gracious enough to encounter us again. Lord, we thank you that you understand that we are but dust and that there are times that you speak things that our heart wants to latch onto that our mind just could not comprehend and cannot comprehend. But Lord, in your mercy, you come again and you drop seeds into our lives and ask and entrust us to care for those seeds. We may not understand it. We may not comprehend it. We may not really even know what to do with it, but to honor the encounter that we've had with you. And by honoring that, Lord, you come again. And Lord, when you come again, you give us a fresh perspective. You give us a fresh understanding and you breathe fresh life onto the promises, Lord, that help us to see in a new way, that help us to see in a, in a perfect way what you wanna do in our lives, Lord. And you bring us into faith. You bring us into faith. Lord, I pray for fresh perspective for this people. We pray over promises, Lord, that are days, weeks, months, years, and decades old. And Lord, I pray for fresh perspective on these promises, Lord, that you would breathe again, encounter again, speak again, show them again, Lord. Pick their heads up, Lord. The scripture says that you are the lifter upper of our heads. Lift up our heads, Lord. Cause us to look up to the maker of the heavens, Lord. Cause us to look up and see with a fresh perspective, Lord, that will cause us to say, I didn't get it the first time and the second time and the 10th and the 20th time that he spoke it, but something happened when he came again. Something happened when he snuck in again. Something happened this time when he came in that he spoke in a way like I had never heard him speak. And when he spoke this time, it all made sense. And by faith, I latched on to the promise. And it may not change tomorrow. The circumstance may not change tomorrow, but by faith, I'm entering into the tension of not yet and having already obtained. Father, we declare it over this people. We release encounters into these lives, Lord. Pray that you would sneak up on them, Lord, at work and on the job site, Lord, in the middle of the night, that you would wake them up and call them to the prayer room, Lord. You'd visit them in dreams and in visions, God, that you would meet your people and speak again. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I'm done. You guys can go. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.